Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Funsky. In the last five years, Criminal has become one of America's favorite podcasts. And perhaps it's because it's not at all your typical true crime podcast. Co-creators Phoebe Judge and Lauren Spohr explore crime in all its facets with far more nuance than the classic whodunit setup. Episodes have delved into everything from two bodies found in a remote area of Saskatoon to St. Louis's crime-obsessed Evening World newspaper. What holds them together? Well, the co-founders have a unique sensibility, and all the episodes are guided by the soothing tones of host Phoebe Judge. Let's listen. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Phoebe Judge and Lauren Sporer were set to return to St. Louis for a live show at the pageant on April 28th. Then the coronavirus hit. Now their spring tour is postponed. They hope to be back in September and have a date then. Time will tell. But Phoebe Judge and Lauren Spohr are still joining us by phone to talk about their work, and we couldn't be more grateful. So, Phoebe Judge, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having us. And Lauren Sporer, welcome. Hi, thank you. Phoebe, your episodes run such a wide gamut. I'm wondering what makes you say this is the perfect topic for criminal? Well, you know, we're we're 138 episodes in now. And and by this point, I think when we run across a headline or run across a story, we kind of know that that sounds like a, a criminal story. Maybe there's a different angle we're taking on a story that you knew thought you knew very well, or there's a, a voice that we're going to include that you hadn't heard before, or there's something just odd or strange, or something that we've always been very interested in, which is finding those stories that maybe push the boundary and definition of what that word crime means. Hmm. So something that maybe isn't that classic Dateline episode where an attractive white woman has been killed. You're looking for something different than that. We're looking for the stories that you might have to question. The fun ones are the ones where you question, wait a second, it's a crime show, but they're doing this story. How is it a crime? And so we're always trying to to find those stories that kind of walk the line. Hmm. Now, Lauren, we mentioned earlier the episode about the Evening World. That's the St. Louis-based newspaper. Up until pretty recently, it used to focus almost exclusively on crime. And even in St. Louis, it kind of flies under the radar. This, This thing does not get much coverage. How did that first get on your radar? I think what was so intriguing to us about it was the way the writing style, um, which just seemed like something we had never seen before. And we started thinking like, who, who are the, who are the people or who is the person who is writing this thing? And to have done it for so long, um, we just got like more and more intrigued. And for us, that's how we know that we're onto something is when we, the more we look into something, the more we want to know, as opposed to feeling like, oh, we have a hunch that we know where this goes. And in fact, we know exactly where it's going. So Phoebe actually went to St. Louis to, to find to find the guy and to talk to him. And was it hard to talk them into this? I imagine they probably weren't um, people listening to Criminal before uh, you guys broadcast this episode. Well, I think that it wasn't hard for us to talk them into it. And I, no, I, I don't think that uh, that they had any idea, Anthony had any idea what criminal was. But his response was, well, if you come here, we can talk. I'm a busy man. And so, um, <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll come to you. And I spent the day driving around and actually delivering copies of the world with him. They put you to uh, work. He did himself. Well, yeah, they put me to work. And uh, I got to see, you know, just how, just how, kind of this is a, a one-man show in the, in the greatest way and so that became a, a wonderful trip and it's always so 
fun for us when we can get out of the studio and get into the field. And this is a perfect example of, of one where we should uh, go out there and, and see it in real life. What's the breakdown on when you're able to get out of the studio and, and be out there talking to people in person versus ones that you do more remotely? Well, I would well, say it sort of depends on the story, really. I mean, right now, unfortunately, we're not going anywhere. So that <laughs> is really a bummer. We were saying that we think this is the longest that we've stayed in North Carolina where we live. Hmm. Maybe since we started making the show, I think we really, really enjoy getting to sit down with people in person. Um, and I think it makes the episodes stronger. And I think when people can really, you know, sit down across from Phoebe and she can make a connection with them and they can sort of meet us and see what we're about, it makes a big difference. So, you know, I don't know, what would you say, half, maybe? Yeah, I mean, we... we always like to get to get out in the studio i mean there 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 are stories that come to us and we just realize we absolutely have to go an example of that was we went to the to the body farm in san marcos texas Mm. that that we could have had people come into the studio but uh the fact that we got to go out there and actually be with these decomposing bodies uh, made the story so much richer. And so Lauren and I will sit down and kind of just make a judgment call saying, okay, will, how much better will this story be if we go to the person and see it with our own eyes? Um, and, that, and that's, you know, maybe 70%. Okay. I want to go back to that episode about the evening whirl here in St. Louis. It's it's just so fascinating to listen to. It's titled, Don't Let Me See You in the Whirl, which is a great quote um, from the episode itself. Let's listen. In the Ben Thomas era, the writing was even more playful. A lot of crimes were written up as jokey little poems. For example, about a man on his way to prison for selling heroin... I will sit and lick my toes and blow snot from my nose. Where I'll end up in life, only God knows. I asked Anthony where the name Evening Whirl comes from. He said he didn't know. He thinks of whirl as in kicking up dust, which is certainly appropriate. But then, when we were researching the story, we came across the phrase in a Mark Twain novel. The novel is called The Gilded Age, and the line reads, Both chatted away in high spirits and made the evening whirl along in the most mirthful manner. Missouri was Mark Twain's boyhood home, and given what we know about Ben Thomas's literary interest, maybe this is how the paper got its name. And that's from a 2016 criminal episode about St. Louis's own evening whirl. Um, Lauren, this strikes me as one of those tidbits that when you find it, um, it's just almost this eureka moment. Does that happen a lot as, as you're in the midst of reporting out these episodes? I think it happens in every single one, and it's really what keeps it a total joy to make the show, is that we sort of get to put we, we, we do a lot of research, we do a lot of research, and we love looking through old newspapers and through old books, and, and to get to bring, you know, the sort of trivia that we find to our audience is so much fun for us, and it's also something that we weren't really able to do in our sort of previous lives as public radio reporters and producers, but podcasting sort of gives us the flexibility to say, like, hey, here's a couple of things that might feel like they're a step away from the primary story, but we loved learning them, so we're going to share them with you, too. Um, and, you know, like, what I love about the Evening World episode is that we, and we've done this a few times, like, we also like to take the opportunity to say, like, let's look at the ways in which people talk about crime, you mm-hmm. know? So we, we talked, we did the Evening World, but we also talked to the 
New York Times crime columnist, and she reviews crime novels. And so we were like, hey, what if we just ask her what she thinks of as what she thinks about sort of crime as entertainment? So we get to sort of take this meta look where we sit down with other people who sort of deal with crime and crime reporting and crime storytelling and say, like, tell us how you think about this. How do you answer these questions that we, we find ourselves wrestling with all the time? I want to talk about one of the other St. Louis-based episodes that you did, and that's from December of 2015. It's titled, It Looked Like Fire. And I want to listen to just a little bit of your interview, Phoebe, with Ed Crawford. He was the young man who was photographed by the St. Louis's post-dispatches, Robert Cohen. He was tossing a tear gas canister during the Ferguson protests. That photo was perhaps the most recognizable image from the protests. It actually became part of a package that won the Pulitzer Prize. Let's listen. It's it's when it's when it's first shot, it's it's like real smoky in the sky. And then you can follow the smoke trail and you'll see where it lands. And it landed fairly close to me. What did it look like when it landed? How big is it? Like a spray paint can? Um, No, it's actually smaller. It's like a 12 ounce soda can. And it was smoking. Yeah. At the time, it was uh, looked like fire. What did it feel like when you picked it up? It was it was room temperature. It wasn't hot. It really didn't have a, a distinctive, you know, feeling like to where if you touched, you know that, okay, this is not good. What did you do with it? I threw it out of the way. You threw it just out of the way or did you throw it? Which way did you throw it? I really didn't aim for a direction because I didn't have time to even think to where I was going to throw it. But did you throw it the way that it had come? I possibly did. And, and so the way that it had come was where the police were? I mean, I guess you can say that. And again, that was Ferguson protester Ed Crawford talking with criminal host Phoebe Judge back in 2015. Now, Phoebe, as as I know you know, um, Ed Crawford killed himself um, two years later. Did you get a sense of the pain that he was in at the time that you spoke to him? I I think being thrown in, into that type of into that type of media spotlight, which he was after this whole thing happened, and and people criticizing him. On both sides, people supporting what he did, but also criticizing what he did. As obviously, I would assume put any puts anyone um, in a in a stressful position. No, I think when I was speaking, when I was speaking to him, I was just so interested in in the relationship that he had with the photographer, and that was such a and to hear them interact together. He seemed to me to be um, to be a thoughtful, kind young man who. Was had done what he thought was right, and I was so happy that in that episode we got to speak to to both of them and hear the relationship that they had formed together. Um, that being, when you look at that photograph that was taken of Ed Crawford throwing that canister back, it, it's such an important photograph, and and to hear the episode while looking at that photograph, I think makes it all the more important. And it's such a a strong um, episode to listen to this. And as you say, the friendship between these two men that formed, you know, they're obviously not best friends, but they clearly had such mutual respect on both sides. And it's just such an, an unusual direction for something about the protest in Ferguson to go. Did you have that in mind when you first started looking at this as an episode? Well, I, I think that that we always tried to to that was a picture that was seen by millions of people, as you say, it was part of a Pilcher, you know winning package. What we try to do is to 
figure out the angle that maybe you haven't heard before. And so to talk about, to talk to these two at the same time um, was the way that we were going to handle a subject that had been covered very well. I mean, Ferguson was covered in, in every which way, but this was what we thought we might bring that would, would bring something new to the conversation. And another St. Louis-focused story that you tell is about Martin McNally. He was a convicted aircraft hijacker, hijacked a plane out of St. Louis. And in this one, you worked with Danny Wisentowski. He's a local journalist here who's been on our show many times. How often do you find yourself sort of relying on a local journalist like Danny to get you sources or to help you sort of find the through line in one of these narratives? Uh, Lauren? Yeah, that was so great. I mean, Danny's reporting on that story was incredible. Um, so in that case, it was like a no-brainer. We were like, this guy, let's let's call this guy. And he was wonderful to work with. Um, and, you know, I think it just depends. I think part of the idea for the show when we started was that we wanted to do as much first-person storytelling as humanly possible. And mm-hmm. then we've gotten to do a lot of that, but there are times where we love a story and first-person isn't going to be possible or, you know, sometimes we need it. We need a journalist to come and round out the story and to provide context. Um, and so, you know, we, we do love to work with journalists, and it's always a pleasure to get to collaborate with someone. Um, but, you know, I think that we, part of the vision for the show in the earliest days was that we would do as much first person as possible. But we, you know, we run into problems where we, right now, we're looking for a story from the 50s, and we can't find any... There are no authors, no journalists, and no sort of first-person storytellers. So we're scratching our heads a little bit about what to do. <laughs> that sounds like a real challenge. Um, but with this pandemic, maybe there's more time to, to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to come up with something creative. Now, I'd be remiss not to mention the fact that you have started two new podcasts since Criminal. Uh, one is called This Is Love, and the other is Phoebe Reads a Mystery. Uh, let's talk about This Is Love. What what led you to that? It seems like almost the opposite of what you're doing in Criminal, and yet there are some similarities. Yeah, I think that there's there's more similarities than differences in the two shows. I mean, that what, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Lauren and I had been making this show for a long time, and we make it with Nadia Wilson, our senior producer, and Susanna Robertson, an assistant producer. But, you know, and we were sitting around, and, and we thought, what's next? I, I don't think that Lauren and I are ever just going to be happy to sit back on our heels and, and keep running the train that's already going, which is criminal. We wanted to try our hands at something new, but something as varied a topic as, as crime was. And we took this word crime and kind of pushed it and changed it and and made a show about the human experience. And so we thought, why not try a topic like love, which people have these preconceived notions of what love is and what it should be and what a love story is. Let's do the same thing. Let's confuse people. Let's open up this word. And so now, you know, it's it's great fun. I mean, we're doing our fourth season right now, and the whole season is about animals, um, which maybe is not what you'd expect when you hear that you're going to be uh, listening to a love show. Um, but that's This Is Love, and, and I... I've said I think that having the love show is making uh, criminal stronger. Hmm. Now, on a cozier front, your newest podcast is Phoebe Reads a Mystery. And this is in some ways so much simpler. It's almost like a parent reading us a bedtime story. Was that in part your thinking there? Yeah, I mean, Phoebe, when we first started Criminal many years ago, I remember I was reading a lot of old mystery novels for pleasure, and I remember thinking that there was something about Phoebe's voice 
um, and I remember thinking, like, what if we tried to make a crime show that was restrained and kind of like stayed and calm, and and so we that was really part of the original idea for Criminal was this will not be sensational, this will not be hyper, um, this will be respectful, and this will be calm, and so. With Phoebe reads a mystery. It's sort of bringing it full circle, you know, to have her reading, reading us Agatha Christie one chapter a day. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun for us, and we're the response that we're getting is really overwhelming. People seem to feel, you know, I think people have a relationship with Phoebe's voice, and then to bring her voice to sort of classic, you know, Sherlock Holmes stories or Agatha Christie. Now we're doing the Moonstone by Wilkie Collins. Mm. I think it's a comfort. Now, you guys are still planning to bring a live show to St. Louis. At this point, you're looking at September 13th. In our last minute here today, uh, just give us a a brief glimpse. What does a live criminal show look like? Well, if you closed your eyes, you might be thinking you were listening to an episode of Criminal. I'm narrating live. Lauren is there with me. She's mixing the, the whole piece live. But if you were to open your eyes, you'd see that we are putting up primary documents. We have animations from our illustrator, Julian Alexander. We're showing you things that you've never seen before. And so it's this full immersive experience. And, and we get to show you in a live show the things that we look at and inform us when we're writing an episode and then bring that to you. You also get to see us screw up. You get to see that we're real people. Um, maybe we try to tell a bad joke. But the, the whole point is kind of bringing our process to the audience and letting them see what helps us create these stories. It sounds like so much fun. Uh, do you find yourself just itching to get on the road again? I, I'm, I'm finding myself feeling a little stir, stir crazy. As Lauren says, we haven't been in this state for this long in, in many, many years. So we'll be very happy to get back on the road. Well, we hope yeah. you'll be able to uh, to pull it off. If, if the pandemic cooperates, uh, we look forward to having you here in September. So, Phoebe Judge, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And Lauren Spore, thank you. Thanks so much. And you can find all three of their podcasts. That's Criminal, uh, Phoebe Reads a Mystery, and This is Love. Uh, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts on their website for Criminal. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.